The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. On this episode of Mule Talk, we have back our author, TV personality, and world-renowned mule trainer, Meredith Hodges of the Lucky Three Ranch. Welcome back. Glad to be back, Cindy. I can't thank you enough for coming on as my featured guest on Mule Talk. As always, we have another spectacular content about being on the trail with the mules in the mountains. You know a lot about that because you live at the base of the mountain. I find the mountains the best place to go riding, you know, in the desert to get a little hot during the summertime, you know, and in other places in the hills. It's nice, but there's nothing quite as majestic as mountains. And the Rockies are the best in the country, I think. Oh, yeah. So, with the hectic schedule of spring and summer slowly tapering into fall, thoughts of the cool, refreshing mountain streams and the sight of massive bull elk or the quiet majesty of the rugged mountain peaks on a relaxing trail ride, mountain hunt, or a pack trip begin to ease their way into our minds. Mm. What better way to, to share your time with your mule or donkey? And what better place for him to show you what he was born to do? A mountain trail ride or a pack trip are both perfect ways for you to get to really know your long ears and strengthen the bond between. Mules are remarkably strong and durable animals, making them excellent mountain partners. Cup shape of their hooves allows them to track the rough mountain terrain with much more sure-footedness than their counterparts. The horse. The mule's superior intelligence and strong sense of survival help him to carefully negotiate the placement of his feet, ensuring the safest ride possible. This is both important and comforting to know when heading for the mountain. The mule's strength and endurance are sometimes unbelievable, but always dependable. On a hunting trip, he will take you through the rough mountain terrain for days and then pack out the elk of your dreams with the greatest of ease. Around the campfire, he's a wonderful companion on those lonesome mountain nights. His blatant curiosity can make for some fun and funny situations, and his loving ways will win your heart. But first and foremost, he's a reliable companion when the going gets tough. A few years ago, well, it's quite a few years now, um, I had some mule Skinner friends that decided to take a hunting trip into the Rocky Mountains. Uh, this was in the fall, and packing in, the weather was beautiful, but... You gotta know that the, the weather in the mountains can change in an instant. It can be beautiful when you ride out, but I even got caught in a hailstorm one time up the mountain and had to run down the trail, which took us about an hour and a half in pelting hail. Oh, yeah. But these guys, yeah, these guys, uh, you know, they rode up there. There were calm breezes and not a cloud in the sky. Sure. And af- after setting up their camp and tending to their horses and mules, the hunters uh, went off to track elk. Um, was good, but after a few days, the evening brought with it an unpredictable snowstorm of incredible intensity. The hunters crawled into their tents the next morning to discover that their camp was buried in more than four feet of snow. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, and you know, even having the animals tied up on a, on a high line didn't really help because they were still knee-deep in snow. And with no chance of the storm lifting, the hunters packed up what they could on their horses and mules and quickly got underway. They had to leave a lot of gear behind. They left the campsite, and mind you, this was in the fall, and the snow deepened on their way down, and the terrain was steep and rocky and treacherous. They had only gone a short distance when the snow got too deep, and the horse, the horses refused, refused to go any further. Anxiety was really high at that point because the hunters were worried they wouldn't make it off the mountain alive. But in the face of this great danger, my friend asked his trusty mule, Goliath, 
to break trail for the others. And with slow, careful, deliberate steps, this well-trained, loyal mule led them all down the mountain to safety. Once there, they freed their trucks and trailers, which were also buried in the snow, loaded up the animals and made their way back to the lowlands to safety. The storms on the mountains worsened, and it was spring before they could get back and retrieve their gear. But they were eternally grateful to Goliath the mule for leading them safely down the mountain. Yay for Goliath. (laughs) I know, right? I love it. You know, you you hear stories like this one where mules and donkeys have emerged as heroes in precarious situations sure. like this. Yeah. However, if you prefer not to take risks like my hunter friends, there are less daunting activities you can do with your mules and donkeys. You can take your long ear companion along to the mountains for a hike or a picnic. He would thoroughly love just being with you in those beautiful surroundings. While you walk the trails, you can enjoy the marvels of nature. Your donkey or mule can carry the lunch essentials. While you enjoy the the wildflowers or try your hand at fishing in a mountain stream, you can be confident that your long heirs will enjoy the peaceful solitude and be able to stay out of serious trouble at the same time. If you question taking excursions such as this with your long heirs because of a lack of training, there are fellow long heirs lovers who can help you. And I strongly advise doing this kind of training. And it's not just desensitization. There are things that can just abruptly startle them. Wildlife can come out of the trees. There are all over the United States excellent mule trainers that are available to help beginners. A long ears lover once told me that his love for burros and mules became years ago, began years ago when he found Dusty, a three-year-old wild burrow that was caught in a blizzard. He took her home, cared for her, and a year later, he entered her in the National Western Fall Classic and Mule Show, Donkey and Mule Show. And he and Dusty were awarded the title of Reserve Champion Donkey of the Show. Cool. These guys That's... these guys learn so thoroughly and so quickly when you show them things the right way and you don't get in a hurry. You know, like I've, I've been talking about. And at the same time, you're cultivating a really deep relationship with them. And a lot of people like to think that they have a bond with their animal. But you don't really know what a bond is until you slow down and experience it firsthand how deep that bond can actually go. And this guy that found Dusty, he was breaking and training wild mustangs at his medicine bow stables. And he included free clinics for borough owners to teach them how to handle and care for their animals. Now, we're all fortunate to be able to share our time with such intelligent, tough, and durable equines as our beloved mules. But you should also remember to do your part in the relationship. Like I was saying, be patient and willing to take the time to allow your relationship to grow and for training to become solid before you indulge in the challenges of trail riding. You don't really, we all think it's just jump on and go and it's fun to be with our friends and all that. And we'll pack our cell phones with us with this idea that if we get in trouble, we can always call our way out of it. But you know, a lot of times there's no service up there in the mountains yeah so it's, it's not always as safe as you might think we tend to be a little bit naive about those kinds of things i was actually um reminded by lance my mule on a hot summer day that sometimes i need his help and that he is willing to learn how to do that because i was having heat stroke and he came over to me and he, he goes well i think we better go back to the barn now and he stuck his <laughs> head right under my arm and picked me up. And so we went ahead and went back to the barn. 
but it also rang some bells in my head and I went, you know what? This might be a really good thing for him to learn solidly on how to help me. Say I, you know, got swept off of him somehow and fell off of him and broke my leg or my arm or something to the point where I couldn't get back on. So I actually spent some time teaching him how to drag me with my arm through the stirrup. And I just put my my right arm through the stirrup on the left side, and I had my reins in my left hand, and I just told him, walk on. And, of course, he knew the verbal commands to everything, but he he was just like, why are you riding down there? (laughs) And I was like, just walk on, Lance. Well, yeah, you know, you help me when I'm standing up. Let's try this, okay? You know, I'm laying on the ground. So what? You know, and he goes, well, whatever you want, mom. You know, so he starts walking along. And I let him walk a few steps. And then I said, and whoa. And he turned around and looked at me. And I reached in my fanny pack. And I, he bent over and I gave him his oats. And then he goes, oh, you really did want this, didn't you? And so he did learn to drag me from the stirrup. So it's, it's really important that you plan ahead like that. You know, and if you, you know, your cell phone's, not in service, this is a great way to have your mule drag you back down the trail and hopefully to somebody that can help you. Another thing that's important is to plan ahead and scout the locations where you want to ride. With the growth of urban populations, open areas that welcomed riders in the past are not as numerous as they once were. In a lot of these parks, uh, they do allow hikers or bikers but not necessarily equines. So, you you know, if you're just going out and you oh, I want to go up in the woods and you're driving along the road and you see a trailhead, uh, the next sign you might see is no, no horses allowed. Right. And then you won't be able to go and then you've wasted a whole lot of time. And this is particularly true when you want to have an overnight trip. You know, you want to make sure that you're going somewhere where they will accept equines and where you can camp. And so even a ride that's planned can be planned to be short, for instance, can turn into challenge if the weather changes suddenly. So planning ahead is really, really important. Like I said, you want to know that they're going to accept equines on the trails that you're going to. But also be sure that you plan for the worst case scenario because of the change in the weather in the mountains. And tack up your equine in comfortable tacking equipment that fits like a glove. We've talked about that before when we were talking about fitting saddles. I like to ride with a crouper because it will hold the saddle in the cor- if it's in the correct placement in the middle of their back mm-hmm. when it's adjusted correctly. But the most important thing about that is it allows for full range of movement, particularly in the hindquarters when climbing uphill. Breaching will restrict them and actually put them in a position where they cannot extend those hind legs enough to push off up the hill. And if their legs are too close underneath, you can actually run the risk of them going over backwards because they can't extend that hind leg. Right. Um, A lot of people like to ride with a breast collar, and if you do, uh, it can be helpful going up hills, but the problem with those is you don't want it to be too tight. You just want it, you know, tight enough so the saddle doesn't slide back into the the flank area. Okay, if you want to wear a breast collar, but in my experience, you don't necessarily need one. And I also like to put a nylon halter underneath my bridle with a lead rope on it and tie that around their neck like the cavalry guys used to do. They, you'd see these guys with, with uh, halters under their bridles 
This is where I learned it from. And a lead rope that is tied around their neck in a non-slip knot. Then you have something if you need to stop and tie up and go do something. If somebody's having trouble with a girth that you're riding with or something, or you see something on the trail that needs to be picked up, you can to untie that that lead rope quickly, tie them to a tree, you know, and go do what you're going to do and come back. That's convenient, and it's also very practical. And you want to pack your saddlebags with the, want to pack your saddlebags with the barest necessities for any ride far from home. You will probably need a compass, water, rain gear, a Swiss army knife, a buck knife, and a hoof pick, a lighter, fence pliers, granola bars or trail mix, a sleeping bag, a warm coat, bear spray, and a first aid kit with, at the very least, it's handy to have gauze, vet wrap, and neosporin. You can get away with that. If you're planning an overnight trip, you'll probably need a pack meal or a horse to carry the extra food and additional necessities, sleeping bags, more food, extra clothes, high lines, and extra halters and ropes, and food for your equines. Lots of places will not let your equines graze in the parks, but some do. So you have to be careful. I don't like using picket lines where the equine is tied low with a halter or a rope around a foot. I don't like using hobbles either. Mules can run off in hobbles. Oh, yeah. No problem. (laughs) They are very good at that. And if you read the article, you can see a picture of my mule running off in hobbles. (laughs) I was going to do a piece on hobbles and how to fit them and all of that until he did that. And then I decided that... It's better just not even to do it. <laughs> right. And he's so athletic. <laughs> they are. And, and you know, the other thing that he did that was so amazing was at first he was hopping like a rabbit. And then he slowed down and he started prancing and doing passage, oh, which yeah. is a slow motion trot that they use in dressage and piaf, he stopped and then he was still prancing in place. And I thought, well, at least I know now that when we get to that level, he'll be able to do it. (laughs) But we're not putting the piece about hobbles in here because that is just leading people astray. Right. You know, they'll be chasing their meals. And if they do go running through the trees and stuff, they, they can really get hurt. You know, they can get tangled up and sprain sprain tendons, muscles, and ligaments. They can get severe rope burns that'll scar them for life. I had three mules that I picketed out on the road to eat the grass along the fence. And all three of them got a hind leg tangled up in the rope. And they got rope burns. And although Panelog was really good for getting them down to a minimum, those burns never went away, never grew hair. And so I thought, you know, I just don't like the idea of putting them around. And a lot of those Western trainers were teaching you how to rope their feet in a round pen. And I didn't really like that either. They said they'd you know, you can teach them to lead by a foot and everything, but that doesn't mean they're not going to get a rope burn, and I like my animals looking clean. I I taught them good manners so they wouldn't even have bite marks on each other, and I used to yell at them if they would bite each other and tell them to be good little guys, and I'd space their food dishes in their hay 16 feet apart, and it really worked. They're they're all completely free of bite marks and, and things that they would get otherwise, and so I came to this conclusion that it makes more sense when you're going camping in the mountains to take a horse along. And you take a horse that they really like, you know, and that way what you can do is you can put up your high line 
and tie the horse to the high line. Now, there are some mules that will wander, so you want to tie them to the high line, too. They won't start fussing with it and trying to pull it down if the horse is there. But the rest of the mules that you have, you can go ahead and turn them loose. Let them run free. If you're in a place where they can graze, I might add. Uh But don't leave the halters on them. Again, they could become tangled up and injure themselves if they start wandering through the trees and stuff. There's all kinds of stuff to get hung up on. So the other thing is, is if you've spent a lot of time doing your groundwork and building that relationship with your mules, they're much less likely to wander off and get loose. They will probably choose to be near you and participate in your around-the-camp fire things. (laughs) And you can find them kind of obnoxious about being there with you. Exactly. You know, so, you know, you kind of got to take it in stride. Now, there are some things that you need to be aware of when you're riding. I mean, I used to do this when I was younger, but I don't condone it anymore we thought oh yeah it'll be fun to go have a couple drinks and get on the trail and enjoy the scenery and everything but i found out that my mules didn't like it when i had less sense than i should yeah and so they made things really difficult for me you know and i had more trouble when i was drinking alcohol while we were riding the trail and i finally made up my mind that maybe it was better to wait on the camping trip or at the end of the ride before we all got together and drank some beer or whatever you, you know just yeah. make it an end of the day such as a celebration kind of thing and if you're camping overnight by the next morning you're you're acceptable to your meal again so <laughs> uh, i i strongly condone that um being as our mountains are not as as open and allow the, t- the wild animals up there very much territory anymore because of development. They have a lot of residential areas that go deep into the mountains. And I've noticed that it's driving the wild animals into the lowlands. I mean, you know, you hear about big cats stealing people's little dogs right out of their yards and stuff. When you're up in the mountains, you're right in their territory. So you have to be really, really careful because you if you come upon them when you're riding, they can end up being quite aggressive. And so, you know, I I actually had a bull elk chase my buckskin horse and me back into the woods. He thought she was a female elk, you know. So, you know, you you need to keep this in mind that these animals are going to be aggressive. Sure. Um, If you're going to do any hunting, you got to make sure you've got licenses and that you're in the areas where it's approved to go hunting. When you're up there, you want to wear bright colors, particularly orange, so that any hunters can, can see you easily. But also be aware that there are hunters up there that are unskilled and that will pop off a shot if they see something move, which could be your mule. That has happened, and uh, to a couple of my friends, uh, their animals have been shot. Not fatally shot, but nevertheless, they got shot. So Mm -hmm. it's not as safe as it used to be because we just got too many people and too many people that are very naive about the skills you need to be riding in the mountains. When you go to the mountains and you're gonna be staying overnight, if you can, choose a place where you can establish a base camp and where you can 
park your truck and trailer. This would be safer than riding up and then just totally camping up in the rough because then you can you can put your animals on a high line during the evening, you know, while you're around the campfire. And if you have an obnoxious mule, you have a place to tie them up where you won't cause too much trouble. There you go. And then you, then you can put them back in the trailer for the night. And if you're in an area where you've got large predators, this might be a better alternative. And stock trailers, I have found, make a better trailer to take up into the mountains because they're fully enclosed. A lot of the trailers these days have windows, and people would be compelled to drop those windows and leave them open. But if the animals can get their head out of them, then the predators can get in. Sure. So you don't want to leave them as sitting ducks in the trailer eat anyway. And if you're camping overnight, you should know that any food can be attractive to predators and it should be mounted high in a tree and at least 50 to 100 yards away from your camp and your equine. So getting the proper in-depth training for your donkey or mule can only enhance your relationship with them and in turn, they will enrich your life. This, this year, why not take time to really get to know your remarkable animals by letting them share in the fun, be it hiking, hunting, packing, or picnicking, the life you enhance might be your own. You bet. So, Meredith, what about acclimating your stock when you go up into the mountains? Because there are some people coming from the Midwest or from the South, you know, and so what are your recommendations on that? Well, again, it's got to do with that training that you're doing because that will build up their core, builds up their uh, respiratory system as well. When when you're doing the core strength training that I describe, you're actually teaching them not only to be in good posture, but you're enhancing the internal organs, and that includes the lungs. And they will learn to breathe deeper and take in more oxygen. And when you're up in the mountains, we ride anywhere from 5,000 to 10,000 feet. And the air gets thinner up there, and it's more important that they inhale more oxygen. And when you train them properly with the core, what you one of the things you'll notice is that their nostrils, if they start out very narrow, pretty soon you'll notice that your animals are flaring their nostrils and taking in more air. And one of the things that I do once we get under saddle is, and I did this in combined training, I uh, our hay field is about a mile all the way around. And so I will start out by, by trotting this hay field and going only as far as they can do easily uh, with each lesson and then gradually increasing it. And as I increase it, it puts more more strain on them. Uh, they have to breathe deeper like anybody that's running faster. And then pretty soon when they can do that whole mile uh, at the trot, then I will trot the whole mile and start cantering as far as they can. Pretty soon I'm doing two miles. I'm doing the first mile at the trot, then I'm doing the second mile at the canter. And then I will go for a third mile. I will trot one mile, canter two miles. And when you do this on in your lessons at home, on the flat ground. It's just like a person who is increasing the distances that they can run. And they don't start out by just running the whole thing. You know, you'll start out by jogging for a while and then walking for a while and then jogging some more and varying that routine. But what that does is that builds up your internal organs to function properly and take in enough air to subsist your body, to, to make it be able to go farther. And when you do that and you take your animals up into the mountains, they're ready to go ahead and take in that decrease of oxygen as they climb higher into the mountains. 
But you need to have some good sense about it when you're up there, too. And watch your animal. See how he's breathing. And if he's been climbing and you've been doing a lot of trotting and loping through there, which you can do on the straight parts of the trail... You might want to just slow down sometimes yeah. and just yeah. walk. Walk a little bit of it and then trot a little bit of it. And then in, in the straight places and the flatter places where you can see where you're going and what's coming around the corner, then you might be able to lope out a little bit, but then only make it a little bit. Don't make it a harsh, steady, fast mountain climb because you're running out of time. Right. If, if you're right. running out of time, make the trails shorter. There you go. And what about if you're going to be in the mountains for a few days, electrolytes? I never felt fed anything but water to my animals. Really? If they needed electrolytes and they were a little lethargic when they got home, then I would just have the vet out and say, what do you think? We need to give them any. And nine times out of ten, we didn't. They just needed some rest. Okay. But then, see, it, it just comes back to being sensible about the way you're negotiating your trails sure. and your days. Okay. You know, because... They're not going to, if you run them out like that and they're sweating profusely, which brings me to another thing, if they're fed properly, and I recommend the, the crimp oats with the sugar vitamins, one-a-day vitamins, and Missoula corn oil, only a cup and a half to two cups a day fed once in the evening and grass hay, what I noticed first and foremost was the way they sweat. When I was feeding all these other feeds that were supposed to be so good for them, there were two things that I noticed. When they sweat they, from going a long ways, the sweat was foamy and yellow. Yeah. And that told me they were sweating toxins. Oh, sure. And when I went to the oats and the grass hay in the mix that I have, the sweat ran clear. Didn't do that anymore. Hmm. Well, that's good. And they did not get hyper on it. And yeah. they didn't start sweating too soon. Nine times out of ten, when I was doing the mountain climbing and trail stuff all day long, I just slowed down and everything so that they really didn't sweat at all. They got heated up. They never got sweaty. And the other thing is, is when they were getting foamy like that, getting that yellow stuff, they stunk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they did not smell good. But when uh, I put them on this program, they don't stink anymore when they sweat it's just clear liquid sure and if they do get foamy around like a breast collar or a breeching or something it's white it's not yellow well that's very good to know meredith you have been remarkable as always on mule talk so you have a website yes it's at www.lucky3ranch all spelled out not the number three dot com we also have another website for kids and adults that are young-minded <laughs> at jasper the mule com. We have an 800 number. You're welcome to call me anytime. I always, always call back if, if you don't get me straight up at 1-800-816-7566. And you might enjoy getting up on my Facebook page. My friend's page is maxed out, but I post the same thing on two pages. And the other one is Meredith Hodge's public figure page. And I post all kinds of training tips. And this is where you'll easily access our podcast too oh very good all right meredith well thanks again and we will talk soon if you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor send me an email every cowgirl's dream at gmail.com gotta go my mule is looking for me
Neil Talk is an Every Cowgirl's Dream production.